And I said, well, Bob, let me ask you a few questions. I said, do you know what percent of women are in the workforce today that have children under 18? And he looked at me, he said, maybe 50%. I said, actually 71% of women who have children under 18 are in the workforce today and work at least 75% of the time. So 30 hours a week. And I said, Bob, do you know how many families are, the woman is the primary breadwinner? It's 40%. And um, he said, you know what? I don't really get you. <laughs> but I do understand demographics. Peter Drucker is my mentor, and that's what he, he bases a lot of where there's a new unmet need is on demographics. And I think you need to start something for these women. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Diane Pattison. Now, Diane was a C-level executive for two Fortune 500 companies and a Fortune 1000 company when God called her to mentor and disciple women in the workplace with her organization forward. That's the number four word. Over the last almost six months, Eternal Leadership has been live. My co-host, John Ramstead, and I estimate that 50% of our listeners that interact with us are women. So featuring a story like Diane's is a real treat because of the great work Forward is doing to help women in the workplace. Here now is our conversation with Diane Pattison on this edition of Eternal Leadership. All right, Steve, this morning on Eternal Leadership, we have Diane Pattison. Yeah. And I met Diane through the Halftime Institute, through a good friend of mine, Jeff Spatafora, who you know very well. Oh, yeah. So, Diane, welcome to the podcast. Great to be on, John and Steve. Thank you. Well, Diane, you have such a great message. I'm really excited about having you on today. Before we dig into what you know, what you're doing now and what I'd love to have you share, could you just take a little bit of time and let people know about your background? I, I know you grew up in a little community in Oregon and ended up going to Harvard and you just have this incredible story. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Well, sure. I um, just feel very blessed. I got to share the story at Believers in Business, which uh, was a group of about 300 MBAs from Northeast schools. And, you know, you want to boil it down in a short version. So I'm going to try to do that with you. Um you know, I, I say chapter one was really growing up on the farm in Oregon, and I, I really credit my mom and dad um, for three key things in my life. Um, one is obviously they were um, believing individuals, and um, we were regular church attenders, um, except when the harvest was in full swing. So... Um, I learned that from my parents, um, and it was just part of our life. And then um, my dad was this amazing, generous, loving, hardworking man, and he um, treated me uh, just like I was any other person. There wasn't anything related to gender that differentiated me from the other people that worked on our farm. And so I never thought there were differences of what men or women could achieve because my dad um, 
had me leading crews of 80 people when I was 16 years old. Um, so he he really put a lot of trust and also a lot of responsibility in me. And I, I look back and, you know, really credit my dad for uh, me never thinking I couldn't do something because of my gender. Um, my mom had this incredible uh, confidence in me and... Um, you know, she told me if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could. Um, and, and she truly believed that. So um, it's interesting. We'll talk about halftime later on. But as I went through halftime and two of my strengths in Strength Finders 2.0 uh, were self-assured and achiever um, that really ties to, you know, my dad, the hard worker, and my mom was also, but my mom's just building my confidence in me. So that was really, I, I share my life sort of in four chapters. That was really chapter one, growing up on a farm, um, having those things instilled in me as I, I grew up on a farm and then headed off to Oregon State University. And it was really there where my relationship with Christ really became personal. Um, and there was a, um, a group called The Gathering, which still meets at Oregon State, that I really was around friends that um, I really saw this personal relationship and this daily walk um, that started affecting my life. Um, then was fortunate, just followed some of my peers' advice and applied to Harvard Business School and was accepted with a de deferred admission where you work for two years and then you go um, after I graduated from Oregon State. So I went to IBM and then went to Harvard Business School. And at Harvard Business School, again, I just was really blessed to be a part of the Harvard Christian School uh, excuse me, Harvard Business School Christian Fellowship. Um, and that group of friends, even today, are some of my closest friends. And, and one of them actually serves on the board of or Forward, the not-for-profit I founded. So um, that's sort of chapter one, the upbringing and getting through graduate school. Um, and then chapter two was really getting going to work in the corporate world um and i always say when i left harvard a lot of my classmates looked at me and said so you know what are you gonna do diane and i said i'm moving to tulsa oklahoma i don't have a job yet and they looked at me like i had a big l on my forehead how did you choose tulsa <laughs> Well, the reason I chose it, and this is a lot of what I talk about uh, in Work, Love, Pray, is I was marrying a man from Tulsa. And so, again, my parents really instilled in me that, um, you know, family or relationships are your priority. And so when I met uh, my husband, I told him, you know, I've been accepted to Harvard Business School. I really want to go. And he said, you go, but when you graduate, you know, let's, why don't you move to where I'm from, Tulsa, and start your career there. So that's why I chose Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, you know, everything just rolled out. Like you look back and say, wow, God had this planned all along because it was there that I started my work with Trammell Crow Company. And um, I was really blessed to work with Trammell Crow. I have um, 
I have the opportunity to just share the story a lot about really try to find companies where you're um, values and priorities align and then try to find roles uh, where your strengths align with that role. And I was really blessed to find Trammell Crow Company. Um, I, my, my first mentor, and again, going back to my mom's you know, self-assured that she instilled in me. Um, I called the CEO of the company, Don Williams, and asked Don if he would be my mentor. And, um, you know, we became friends at that point, and we are very close friends even to this day. So, um, you know, just he's a believer cares about relationships and saw his work as where God had placed him. And he's in a Bible study with Bob Buford. So um, a lot of ties. Yeah. So Diane, when you reached out to Don, did you know him well? No, I didn't know him at all. So, so talk about that a little bit. There's, there's so many people that need mentors and there, there's people out there that they would love to have in their life, but they, they're, they don't know how to take that first step sometimes. Well, um, that's a great question, and um, that's really part of the reason that the mentor program is a huge cornerstone of Forward, the not-for-profit I founded, um, because helping people understand how important mentoring is and how actually pretty easy it is, and just helping them know that just asking someone is not that hard and a lot of mentors are so honored to be asked um, that I think the the one thing we're trying to teach people is um, to not have fear, to just ask the question. And really when you see someone that aligns with um, your values and priorities and also aligns with maybe professional um, career progression, you know, those two things are just wonderful to have in a mentor. Um, and then there's a lot of times a mentor may have differences and that's where they really help you because they help you see other um, perspectives. Now, when you were at Trammell Crow, Diane, uh, we, we, how many women were on that executive team? I'm just thinking back to your uh, you know, you made a, a point of when you were on the farm, you didn't you know, you just saw your own potential. It didn't matter whether you were a man or a woman. Did some of that come to light as you got into the this ex, the executive boardroom? Um, definitely. So um, you're probably familiar with commercial real estate, yes. and you know today it is not. Um, there is not a lot of women in the C-suite, and I ended up being in the C-suite of two Fortune 500 and one Fortune 1000 company where I was the only woman. And, um, you know, for me, it was just sort of, I didn't really think about it. I knew it was obviously something that was unique, but I didn't, it didn't like change the way I communicated or responded, you know, it was like, you know, these, these gentlemen are like my brothers and like the gentlemen I worked with on the farm. And so um, it really didn't change anything about me, but it made me want to help other women um, see that they could do that too. Are there some differences, you know, when you mentor women that are in those environments today, or maybe even men that, um, you know, there's a, a new woman on the team, or is there, 
some some themes of advice that you share with people? Uh, well, we talk, we really, through our forward mentor program, we really try to focus on um, your professional goals, your relational goals, and your spiritual goals. And um, I have the opportunity right now to be mentoring through our program, a woman by the name of Amy. And we really started together around um, let's talk about your personal goals first because that was the area that she felt like she was not being focused around her um, husband or her children when she left work because there were emails coming in and you know all those distractions so um, you know I really try to figure out, you know, what is it that my mentee really is searching for and really has a need for. So there's no sort of cookie cutter. Um, but I would say some of the women that I see that just do things that you say, wow, that's amazing. The Their ability to um, sort of put fear behind them is probably number one. Yeah, I think fear is fear is always something that's front of mind. Now, you had gone through chapter one and two. What was chapter three? Yeah, so so chapter two is the whole career progression. But I think the one thing I should share in chapter two is um, that was really when I learned how to develop a very deep personal relationship with Christ because mm-hmm. I had a couple huge trials. Um, I never thought I would be a failure. And, uh, you know, the achiever that I mentioned in um, Strength Finders 2.0, and um, I went through a divorce. So 11 years into my marriage, I ended up finding out that what I thought I was in was not what I was in and ended up filing for divorce. Um, And so I was a single mom with two kids. And as you can imagine, someone who was raised in a um, Christian family with parents that um, were together through their entire marriage, um, you know, I never thought that would be me. Um, And it took a lot of prayer, a lot of just tough conversations with God um, to decide to go forward with that. And, um, you know, it was the most broken time in my life. Hmm. So um, that um, and fast forwarding through, um, I had two children at the time, and then I ended up Um, being very blessed six years later and meeting my now husband, Chris, who is one of my classmates at Harvard Business School. Um, He and I put together our two families. We each had two children and were single into what we call our mini Brady Bunch. Um, But at the time, our kids were um, 12, 9, 8, and 6. And um, my oldest, junior year of high school, started making really tough, bad decisions. And um, again, another huge trial. Um, really had no control, realized I had no control, and that all I could do was really fervently pray um, that he would figure out that he's God's son, 
Um, and that was the most important thing in his life. And fortunately, I can share with you today, um, my prodigal son, um, now I'm getting a little choked up. <laughs> uh, he's a youth pastor in Waco, Texas. He works with Antioch Church um, there and um, uses his trials um, to be a youth pastor with inner city kids. So it's just amazing when you see how God uses even a path like that to help others through. Um, so that's really chapter two. And I just feel like not um, talking about going through a divorce and really living through a tough time with one of my children, um, you know, it really helped me continue to get deeper and deeper in my faith, and God really worked through me through those trials. Hey, Diane, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. You know, times when we have these trials and just things in our life don't make sense, and we sometimes we don't even feel or see God's hand and what's happening in that moment. How did that draw you closer to him? I have always gone to God for my strength. And um, so I would just say that, you know, when you just don't have any control and you don't have any other answers, um, the only thing I could turn to is what was my strength. And so learning how to pray fervently um, during those times, um, learning how to stay grounded in his word, um, really, it was also the beginning of me realizing how important authentic relationships were to be surrounded by other women who were believers um, who could support me and um, I could support them. And we're actually going through another one of those times right now with a very sick, my second is very sick. And um, the support through this this group of amazing women that I've been able to collect as friends throughout my life have just been unbelievable through this time. So, you know, I would just say the fellowship with others, being in the word and deep fervent prayer has really drawn me closer to God through these times. Well, how can all of us be praying for your daughter? Well, thank you, John, for asking. Um, Please pray for her continued faithfulness. Um, when people say, wow, you two have been so strong, we've say, we both say just pray that we continue to be faithful because mm-hmm. it's actually God that's giving us our strength. Um, so continue to um, pray for our faithfulness through this time and also um, for her to just be relieved of this pain. She's got excruciating pain and so we're working on her nerves and her circulation system to hopefully um, relieve the pain and she's been uh, unbelievable through this thing Mm. well we'll definitely be doing that and thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that sure thank you so after so you've gone through this period and life is now getting back on track your relationship with the Lord is stronger than ever you're remarried to Chris what what uh what what led you to what you're doing now Well so um chapter 3 I share um at the I basically was at my third company Prologis 
Mm-hmm. I was global COO. At the time I went there, it was June of 2008, and I made a deal with Prologis that I could live in Dallas, but work for them out of their headquarters at that time, which was Denver, Colorado. Yep. And um, you, we all know what happened September of 2008, and Prologis had a lot of debt. So I always say... When I arrived in June of 2008, the uh, my arrival was directly related to the plummet of the stock price. So we we went from sixty dollars a share to twelve in November, and obviously uh, the executive team was fighting fires, and a new CEO was brought in, um, and I was in Dallas. And that's kind of tough to be the global COO in a city where the rest of the executive team is in Denver. And um, the new CEO and I had one of those tough conversations. And he said, I really need you to move to Denver. And I said, Walt, I, I'm not going to move to Denver. Um, my family's my priority. So we just need to um, execute this termination agreement. And it was that time that um, Diane Patterson was not defined by her business card. Um, so it was very humbling flying back on that airplane from Denver and um, knowing that I had a brand new world that I hadn't really lived in in my entire life. You know, from five years old and making boxes on the, the fruit farm to... Um, you know, 50 years old and um, leaving the third large company where I was in the C-suite. And my brother just said an amazing sentence to me when I called him and said, I'm no longer fully employed. And he said, "Um, Diane, you loved Trammell Crow so much and CBRE. You just loved working there and the people that you had a chance to work with, that God had to get you to Prologis. So you had a little stepping stone for him to get you where he wants you to be. And so I always share that story. And six months later, um, as I'm in chapter three and moving on to chapter four, um, during that time, I was asked to join a couple corporate boards and some not-for-profit boards, one being the Harvard Business School Christian Fellowship Alumni Association Board, and one is the Salvation Army National Advisory Board, which tie in wonderfully with what I get to do today. Um, And then I went through halftime. And it was really um, during halftime that this crystallization of realizing that God had prepared me for this perfect time um, with my experiences professionally, with my experiences relationally, and with my faith being my foundation. And so that was the beginning of what today is known as Forward. So what your brother said to you must have really resonated at that season in your life. Yes, because it was the only real personal comfort I had on earth. Um, You know, a lot of people, their responses were, whoa, you know, the sky's falling. Um, You know, the world was in turmoil, financial crisis. And um, it was just fantastic to have a brother that um, had such wisdom. 
Well, you know, the tagline at the Halftime Institute is success to significance. So as you're, you know, thinking about everything going on in your life and and now you're kind of free to uh, create this new future for yourself, what did that mean to you? Well, you know, for me, um, I didn't know exactly what it meant. And so, again, it was really trying to listen to God um, during prayer and really see where my energy came from um, and see what I was passionate about. And I can tell you there is lots of times I wake up and God has put in my mind something when I wake up that I didn't really hear him like that before. So um, I just really feel like when you start giving yourself some space and you really take time to listen, um, that he is going to really guide you um, with the Holy Spirit to where he wants you to go. And what, what did that look like as you, as you let him guide you and you started walking in this new path? Yeah. Um, great question. So I started doing my research. And um, when I went to halftime, I sat next to Bob Buford at dinner. And he, you know, again, the only class with, I, I was the only woman in, in this class. And Bob said, you know, I'd love to sit down next to you. I didn't know him very well. And I sat next to Bob and he said, what are you thinking? And I said, well, Bob, let me ask you a few questions. I said, do you know what percent of women are in the workforce today that have children under 18? And he looked at me, he said, maybe 50%. I said, actually, 71% of women who have children under 18 are in the workforce today and work at least 75% of the time, so 30 hours a week. Um, and that's U.S. Census 2010. Um, and then we talked about, um, then I asked him, do you know what percent of advanced degrees are going to women today? And that one, he was pretty much right on. It was over 50%. Well, that change had, that had changed from 6% 30 years ago to 50%. And then we got to primary breadwinners. And I said, Bob, do you know how many families are, the woman is the primary breadwinner? It's 40%. And um, he said, you know what? I don't really get you. <laughs> but I do understand demographics. Peter Drucker is my mentor, and that's what he, he bases a lot of where there's a new unmet need is on demographics. And I think you need to start something for these women. So, um, you know, that was when the wheels started turning. And he said, and, you know, you also need to write a book. And I looked at him and I said, now that will be a real miracle. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Bob was really the one that just uh, like he says, he catapulted me to um, move in the direction of starting a ministry to connect, lead, and support professional women to reach their God-given potential. And, um, you know, he's been beside me to this day on uh, my journey there. Well, your website for people who want to check it out is the number four, then W-O-R-D, like forward, but four 
the the word women.org in you know what are you doing it forward right now to to meet that need that you were just talking about yeah great question so we talk about um our our strategy is really three key legs of the stool so connection we have three things we do we have a global online digital community with content. And today we have about 2 million unique visitors that come to our site or to other sites where we provide content on a regular basis um, from a start in September of 2011 of zero. Um, Second, under Connection, we started a local group in Portland, Oregon. Today, we now have 19 cities where there is a a forward local group or affiliate. And third, um, we have the mentor program, which I mentioned, and we're, we just got applications, um, which closed last Friday for our eighth class. Um, so we're getting close to 200 people that have participated in our um, forward mentor program. So that's really connection. Under leadership, we do three things. We have resources, content, and advocacy. So our content, we blog on our site um, three times a week. We also write every um, issue for today's Christian woman of Christianity Today. Um, and we participated, like with you and and um, about 70 other publications, either radio, TV, or articles. So we do a lot around content, um, around resources. I've written Work, Love, Pray, and we have a study guide, but we also have two other books that we um, are partnered with, and we're doing study guides for those books now. So we're always looking for great resources that really talk to our audience. Um, And then around Avis, We're working with Western Seminary right now um, around helping them help pastors or to be pastors understand this woman in the workplace. Um, And I'm actually going to be on an interview with them um, today um, to really advocate and help pastors know how to really reach this woman. So that's leadership. And then support, and this is really what I say is my most, uh, my favorite part of our strategy is we not only want to provide great resources. So if you go to our website, you'll see a resource page where we have, we have halftime there and we have many other groups with their links um, so that our audience can have one place to go to find resources for every area of their life. But this is the part I think is most important, that what we are doing is not about Diane and it's not about forward. It's about being that little bubble and a a ball of bubbles that are attached to each other and just being a great partner so that as we can work together with other people that are focused on helping women 
release the time, talent, and treasure that they have for eternal purposes. Um, it will be unbelievable what God will do with this. So um, that's what we're totally focused on is really being a great partner. So that's how we're going about what we're doing. You know, as we as we wrap up, Diane, I would love for you to share some stories of some of the women that you've served and how they've been impacted through the work that you're you're doing there. Well, thank you. I mean, when people say, so why do you spend, you know, all of your time doing this and you're working harder than you ever had before? It's because of these stories. So I'm so glad you asked. Um, there's a woman in Dallas, Texas. Uh, she came to Forward because her sister-in-law um, was a mentee of mine in a real estate um, related mentor program. And she told Mary Claire, you need to get involved with Forward. Um, and so Mary Claire shares her story that she first came to our digital platform. So I always share that, you know, this 2 million is the wide mouth of our funnel. Um, so she came to our digital platform and read our blogs. And I think she did that for a few months and just thought, wow, this stuff really is hitting where, where I am, you know, talking about real stuff and women that are actually working full time and have children and trying to, you know, manage relationships, et cetera. Um, then she came to our forward local group in Dallas and started building relationships with other women that she said, wow, they're like me. I didn't know there were other women out there like me. Um, I felt so alone in the workplace up till now because here I was a believer and I cared about relationships and my faith was my foundation. I didn't know there were other women like me out there. And then she was in our mentor program. Well, Mary Claire at the time is a mom with two young children and was separated from her husband. So I'm so happy to report that February of 2014, um, Mary Claire and Clint renewed their vows. Oh, what great news. It's a great story. And she shares it all the time. Um, she now has a community of women who really share her values and priorities. And lastly, um, she decided the place where she worked really didn't align with her values and made a change. So um, Mary Claire's story is just a wonderful story. And we actually have about a booklet of about 600 testimonials and videos um, that of, of different women's stories of either, you know, how our digital platform or local group or, you know, Sander, you know, speaking, just different ways that um, Forward has impacted someone's life um, by God just blessing them through it. So you're creating this incredible sense of not only community, but helping people you know, work in their areas of their gifting, their strengths, and their talent, because that's such a more uh, fulfilling and joyful place to be. And a lot of a lot of us just get stuck, and we're just discontent, and we don't know why. And I'll, now there's this. You've what you've done is you've created this this uh, 
platform where people can go and plug into that. And it's not just their own experience. They're tapping into this incredible group of other people that have been on that same journey. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing that's amazing, I was just in Houston last week um, and we launched our Houston group in March, uh, March 5th. And so a woman wanted to meet with me um, and we got together and she said, you just can't believe what impact um, that event had with Sandra speaking is um my husband had just lost his job on Friday. The event was that following Thursday. I left my um, college education, and she's only one year out, thinking that, um, you know, I'm going to do this for a while, and then I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. Well, she said, you know, having the chance to be around other women and hearing um, about Ford, I realized that, you know, God may have a different plan for me. And right now it's really up to me financially to support our family. And she said, you just can't believe what impact that had on my life. Um, So it was just really neat to just see Katie um, and meet her and have her just share how even just that one event she attended just changed her thinking about, you know, the partnership she had with her husband. Well, I bet that was so freeing for her. Yeah, yeah. Now, Diane, what's your vision for Forward over the next couple of years? Because it's been growing rapidly. You're serving more and more people. Right. Well, um, being a COO, I really try to make sure that we um, go forward, but don't get too far ahead of ourselves so that we're always delivering um, excellent, an excellent product to our, to our clients. Um, so our, my vision is by 2020 that we'll be in 15, 50 cities of five overseas that will have five million coming to our content and our partner content, and that we will have 500 that have gone through our mentor program. So that's my vision. We have um, a lot to do to get there, and we need a lot of resources to be able to get there. So um, we will just be working through that plan as we go forward. So, you know, as we wrap up here, Diane, any final thoughts to just leave with people that have been listening to this about your journey, about what you're doing with Forward, about what they can do with their life as as they go and they kind of examine what a life of significance could look like? Yeah, um, great question. Well, our real vision, not in numbers, but is that um, we will help women Um, through God's hand leading us, see that their faith should be a part of every minute of every day, that their relationship should be their priority, and that their work is a place God has called them to be. And when we help women see a totally different viewpoint of those aspects of their life, Um, they look at life so much differently. And I just feel like I was blessed to have had that, but obviously it has grown and grown and changed 
in me over time. Um, and I'm just very thankful that God prepared me for this place, um, that I have the opportunity um, to serve these women in a way that he has prepared me to do. If you'd like to learn more about Diane, buy her book, Work, Love, Pray, read her blog, check out what Forward is doing for women. We'll have all those links in our show notes at eternalleadership.com slash 041. All that and more, eternalleadership.com slash 041. That link is also embedded in this episode's summary within the MP3. So if you're listening on an iPhone, just click on the logo. Or if you're looking at the episode list, click the little I on the right-hand side and you'll see the link right there and it'll take you right to your browser. Just a reminder that if you think about her, join us in shooting up a prayer for Diane's daughter. Thanks. Special thanks to Justin Jeffrey for his editing and production help. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Andy Mason returns to the show to talk about rediscovering dreaming. If you just remember back to when you were four, five, six, seven years old, there's no child that dreams of insignificance. There's no child that has small dreams. They all dream of great things. But something happens between maybe the age 8, 12 and, and 18, 20. And if life happens that usually knocks a bunch of that stuff out. Andy talks about his book, Dream Culture, how you can reawaken dreaming in your life and how to partner with God in your dreaming. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.